I have good news for you today. <laughs> I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but the good news is there's only going to be one slide today. That should give you terror because if I don't have structure, I just can go on and on and on. Before I get into the Word, which will be very brief this morning, we're going to have communion together because I, I just, I, I'm sorry, but this is our first Christmas together. And uh, I just really want you to hear our heart, is that there's more out there, friends, than the commercial. There is a real Jesus who's sitting on a real throne in heaven, friends, who is Lord of everything there is, and he, we want to make sure that He is absolutely given His rightful place, amen? Before I do that, I do want to, this has been a year of transition the last, uh, since May, uh, I guess that's seven, eight months has been a tra- tra- transition. I can't even talk. It's been so hard. No, of <laughs> uh, bringing two congregations into one and all the uniqueness of, of that whole thing and the history behind it all. And uh, I could not have made it this year without a couple of guys. We, we do have an eldership and that eldership will be expanding this year to include uh, people from both sides of the river. We're building that as we're building men of God. And uh, we're getting ready to do that this next year. But uh, uh, there's two guys I want to say thank you to this morning. And and that is, uh, first of all, uh, to Bob and Mary Jane, if you would stand and come here for a minute, please. Yes. And by the way, you need to hang around. Come on, let's give them, let's tell them, thank you. You come and just stand right here. And then uh, Ron and Linda Newton, if you would come. And of course, the rest of the eldership is myself and Pastor Brian. And like I said, we are getting ready to expand that this year because I like lots of voices at the table. I I believe that wise counsel comes from people and men sitting together and asking what the heart of God is. I I felt sorry for Bob and Mary Jane in this this sense. I I remember, you know, watching Bob as we we meet every Wednesday, the eldership does, and Where's Gary? Gary, Gary Robinson was there the other day. We invited him, and I, I think he just kind of sat there like, because we're weird. I mean, <laughs> these... And the first time, I think Bob, the first couple of times, he's sitting there, and, and how many of you know, it, 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 whenever two or three are gathered, there's trouble. <laughs> but you, here's the deal. I, I, Ron, Ron, Ron and Linda have been with us for 12 years in this, yeah. Portland. Right after we came to Portland, they joined us. And uh, I don't, we don't talk publicly much about things because we just, it's just us guys. And, uh, but Ron and Linda, I want to take a moment today on this, our first Sunday is True Life, to thank you for your, your backbone and thank you for your love and your concern. I never worry about what's behind me because I got an ex-Marine in Ron Newton. And uh, by the way, you need to pray for this... <laughs> And his wife, she's worse than him. But uh, pray for Ron and Linda. As you, as you heard uh, uh, 
the, the little girl that read, her daddy is in, is in Iraq. Uh, Lori Kelsey and her husband is in Iraq. Ron and Linda's son is uh, in, the, in the armed service of the army, isn't it? Army, and he is in Baghdad serving his country. Pray for them. These are not easy days. Amen. So on behalf of the church, we just want to say thank you to both of you. And uh, you thought this last year was transition. Wait till I get my hands on all the knobs and dials. All right. Let's give them a hand. When? Right now. Oh, okay. It doesn't work. (laughs) On. That's it. I wonder if Greg would bring those uh, things forward. And I want Elizabeth to come up. I want Brian to come up. Jen, if she's here, I think she had to feed Ellie. She's on. Anyways. She's on going. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. It's more than just two elders. It's four elders. Yeah. And Steve and Brian and their families are part of this as well. And we just want to say, as a church, how much we appreciate you as our pastors. Well, here, bring, here comes bring, Jen. Here comes Jen and Jen. Ellie, come up here. It has been a learning process. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jennifer, you need to come up here and guard this stuff right here. Okay. Uh, the last year has been a transition year, and there has been you know difficulties, and there's been a working together and stuff, but it hasn't been that difficult working with Steve and with Brian. They are excellent, excellent pastors. And we are so glad not only to have them as our pastors, but also North and South True Life Church to be one church together. I'll tell you, this is such an awesome year what God has done. Amen? Let's give our pastors a big hand and give yourselves a big hand too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. I would let uh, I would let Elizabeth speak, but then I would have no more time left. And uh, I really love it when people listen to what we preach. I really love it when people are in the Word. But I, you know, sometimes things you, you wonder if people are listening. And uh, last week I talked about things that were important, and one of which was warm pudding. So delivered to me this morning was warm pudding. So I'm up in the ante this morning. We're going to talk about prime rib. <laughs> Just barbecue. And um, the, the, my, my, one of my barbecue buddies is here, but my other one, his wife, she uh, had some problems. The Ulrich's, had, she, she got sick yesterday and had some throat problems, and so she had to go to the hospital and... and uh, but uh, we, we have some barbecue buddies that we, we do, do barbecue. I want you to turn with me for just one moment this morning to Matthew chapter 1. I cannot, I, I, for those of you that are visiting, you need to know that I have an obsession. The obsession is when we come together, sooner or later we're going to wind up in the Word of God. And uh, as you know, this is Christmas week. This is, we thank you 
for your gifts. The most important thing I thank you for is your prayers. And uh, we're going to have a great year. This is going to be an expanding year. We already, and, and as you know, we're wanting you to begin to pray. We believe that the time is coming when God's going to give us a permanent location on both sides of the river. And, uh, uh, and so pray with us as that happens. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. I think I might have put it wrong on my one slide there, but I, hey, you know. It was the guy that typed it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Never mind. Then then Joseph, her husband, being just a man, um, he's lost his parents, I think. I don't know. See, that's an elder's grandkid, though. What do you expect? Now you know what Wednesdays is like. Ron gets up and wanders around Starbucks. (laughs) I can't resist, Ron. It just is so easy. Oh, now he's mad and we're all going to pay for that. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, and I want you to pay attention to this wording, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It is amazing to me as we come every year to this time of year, to Christmas. And, and I, I've shared with you the last couple of weeks how, and we began last week on dealing with a sentimental journey. This is kind of the, uh, just a rest stop in that whole teaching that we're doing. But Christmas, to me, at this time, in, in the Western world at least, is so misunderstood that, that there needs to be a new voice crying out about what it really is. There's nobody in this room that when you celebrate your birthday that somebody wants to to keep you at the point of being a baby. They don't want to, you know, oh, could you go back and, you know, they don't ask you to go put on a diaper, let's see what it was like. They don't do that. Because you're grown up. You grow. Birthdays are to, to mark landmarks in your life. For us in the finite world, birthdays are nothing more than marking the landmarks of our internship here on earth. Twenty, can you believe this? Twenty-one centuries ago. Twenty-one centuries ago. A process happened, a birth happened, that would set in motion the next stage of God's plan. When I, when I figured that when you look at that, and it's 21 centuries, something, hap- something came to me, and this is just a little bunny trail for those of you who are of the prophetic mind. Something came to me and realized, you know, you read in, in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 14, where Daniel is praying before the Lord and he's repenting. And the angel Gabriel, he kind of shows up at these events. Shows up, and he says, I would have come sooner 
but I've been fighting with the king of Prince of Persia for 21 days, but I'm here. We're in the 21st century. I honestly believe in my heart that there is the fight has begun through prayer movements, through worship movements, through other things. There is something stirring in the heavenlies and we're about to see a deliverance that we've never seen that will culminate in who was born as a baby. It will culminate in his adult arrival to this planet. And it's going to shake up the political world. It's going to shake up the church world especially. Many are going to be offended at the Jesus that shows up because they left Him as a baby or they've seen Him as the Psalm 23 Jesus with the, with the shepherd's staff and the little lamb. And let me tell you, that's not how He's showing up the next time. He's coming in on a white horse. His vesture will be dipped in blood. He's going to have a sword. It's going to be coming out of His mouth. Flames of fire shooting out of his eyes and this time he's not coming to play patty cake that's the Jesus that I'm so enthralled with at this time but it started as a baby can you imagine 21 centuries ago Nothing had happened, no voice of God for 400 years in Israel. 400 years, no prophetic voice had spoken. From the end of the book of Malachi to, to the birth of Jesus was 400 years. Nothing. Silence. Yet as time began to grow closer and closer to the birth of Jesus, things began to stir. You know, and you think about 700 years earlier, a man by the name of Isaiah had, had wrote the prophecy, a virgin shall conceive. I've often thought about that. And can you imagine, you know, he's writing down, you know, behold, a virgin shall conceive and you're going to call his name Emmanuel and calling his wife in and say, man, I've got a word from the Lord. <laughs> A virgin is going to conceive. Right then, she's begging him, don't preach that this Sabbath. People will misunderstand. And you go through the whole process. And we, we, love, we love the little kids up here. And let me tell you something. For, for those of you that understand, you thought, well, that was, just, that was a quick little program. Just to get that little program done, we've had several breakdowns in children's workers. <laughs> those kids are not easy to deal with. But can you imagine all this time? I want to just give you a quick list of things. Religious systems. At the time of Jesus' birth, religious systems had determined and settled to the purpose of the Messiah. They had already predetermined this is what He'll come like, this is what He'll be like, this is what He'll do, and it's already settled. The injustice of the Roman Empire had caused oppression. And there was a cry out in the land for vengeance to come. Poverty, ignorance, and disease were plundering the people. Meanwhile, in heaven, the angels are wondering why they've been called to choir practice. I don't get this. Micah, do you know, Michael, do you know what's going on? No. They just said get in here and start practicing singing. What are we supposed to sing? I think the tune is glory to God and the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Let's put that to a tune and let's go with it. And so they started practicing. They were warming up. But meanwhile, 
below. Demons are laughing and snickering, ignorant, and certainly unchallenged. Isn't it amazing when there's a lull in history, the demonic goes unchallenged? King Herod is proud of his political, politically correct rebuilt temple, and I could spend lots of hours on that one. The church that's going to grow in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years will not be a politically correct church. Herod will not have a part of building what God's about to build in this century. Priestly house of Zechariah and Elizabeth is quiet. There's no sound of children. But he's getting ready to go in to offer incense on the altar. Don't you just sense that we're at the point as a church and as a city and as an area, an area that's never, there's the, the out, we've had, you know, we had the little John G. Lake stuff back in the, the day, but there's never been that outgushing, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's coming, church. I'm telling you, it's coming because people are starting to enter into the temple and they're putting the incense, the prayers of the saints are going up. A young couple from the house of David are planning their wedding and their future together, just enjoying their life. Somewhere in Jerusalem, an old man by the name of Simeon is still alive. He's still alive because somewhere in his life, a promise was made to him that he would one day lay eyes upon the Messiah. And so he hasn't died yet, even though his eyes are dim and he's quite elderly, Simeon is still alive. You know what? There are some of you sitting in this room this morning, you're waiting for that son, that daughter, you're waiting for that husband, that wife. You're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled that was given a long time ago. Hang on, the promise keeper is coming. In a small prayer chamber inside the house of the Lord, an old woman by the name of Anna, now 80 years and counting, has been going daily to the temple and praying, Will you not bring justice to Israel? Meanwhile, in heaven, Gabriel's reminding Daniel, remember that prophecy you gave? Watch what's coming next. I just got the orders. I'm supposed to visit some guy down here in the temple. His name's Zacharias. I'm bringing him news. Watch, Daniel, how things start falling together. About that time... Wise men happen to be out looking at the heavens and see some strange signs in the heavens above and begin to scan the skies and begin to get out their charts and begin because something is going on. And in heaven, the heart of a sovereign God is stirring with an awareness of an everlasting covenant that was made from the foundation of the world. That he would redeem fallen man. The Holy Spirit, the power of the highest, stands ready to overshadow a habitation of purity. Let me tell you something, all this applies to the church right now. It applies right now, friends. Religious systems of our day have determined this is what church is, and this is what Jesus is, and don't go out of the boundaries. 
The injustice of our culture is beyond what words could speak. There's not a week that goes by that we don't in the inner city of Portland and in Vancouver don't rub elbows with the injustice and the cruelty of poverty and ignorance that is all around us. And vengeance of the slain cry out. Meanwhile, in heaven, as we stand here this morning, the angels are asking why they're being called for another choir practice. And right now, in the nether regions, the demons are once again laughing and snickering. I thought this week was an amazing week of the passing of Oral Roberts. No matter where you fall on the issue, he was a great, great man of God. Touched millions. Sad it is passing, but I'm excited. Because that means there's a new generation coming on the scene that's going to shut the mouths of lions. Going to release those in captivity. Going to see the blind healed. The lame are going to walk. You see, the devil is snickering right now. He thinks he's got it all together. But there's ignorance in that guy. Because what has been unchallenged in the past, there is a bride about to rise out of the midst who will challenge him on every turn. The political scene of our day, thinking it has everything in control. I want to scream to Congress and the Senate, wait till you get a load of the bride of Christ. You think you got problems now. Wait till she stands up realizing who she is and realizing who her bridegroom lover is. Wait till you get a load of her. Can you feel the stirring that's going on 21 centuries later? Oh, there's oppression. And I like to think that somewhere, in a lot of somewheres, there's old men dreaming dreams again. (laughs) And visions are happening. And prayer is starting to happen. God's raising up Simeon's. There's some Annas still around that were told they would see with their eyes a great outpouring of the Spirit. Anna, don't lose heart. It's coming. I think Gabriel is again reminding Daniel of his prophecy. (laughs) Remember the part, Daniel, where you wrote that he will reign forever and ever? Get ready, Daniel. Things are falling into place. It's coming. There's faithful shepherds that are watching over their folds of sheep again. I don't care what you hear in the news and the media about how rotten pastors are. I want you to know there are still faithful ones in the land. Not all have bowed to pale. And there's a great grace coming to the church in this hour as God begins to bring young men and young women to the place of leading the church. Wise men are scanning the heavens again. I love reading the news where every once in a while you find they're discovering more planets and more stuff, things they can't describe. And I want to write into them, oh, don't worry, there's one coming. When you see it, look out. (laughs) 
And I believe that the heart of a sovereign God is stirring in the heavenlies right now. For it was out of His heart came the words, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. 21 centuries ago, in a manger, in Bethlehem, the house of bread, in Judah, the province of praise, and in Israel, the place of promise, a baby was heard crying. My thought I want to leave in closing with you today is all happens because of one man. We go crazy over Mary, the teenage girl that gets pregnant. We understand the reproach that is... You know, I was reading in John uh, chapter 8 the other day, and I had never seen it like this, where Jesus is, is talking and all of a sudden they say, Listen. And this is, this is the, the exact interpretation. They said, Listen. They look at Jesus and say, We're not the product of fornication. They had put reproach on Jesus yes. because of His birth. Yes. But there's one person that could have shut the whole thing down. His name was Joseph. And I want to tell you about Joe's decision and how it affects you. There's some of you in this room that have been hurt deeply over the past year. Your lives have been up and down. Things have gone sideways. You come to Christmas and it's more of a hassle than it is a happy time. We can tell you as a pastoral staff, December we work harder probably than most months simply because people have breakdowns. My wife and I handle the load of of counseling in this church and I can tell you, and outside the church, and I can tell you that December is an ugly month. But it makes me wonder... If it's not that ugly. If in fact that everything that goes wrong can be changed by one decision of one guy. You see, Jesus would stand one day in John 6 and he would say, The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. You need to understand something. Jesus' words always gives you options. It gives me options. What do you mean? Gives you options to succeed or fail. Options to be healed and delivered or stay in your sickness. Options to move ahead or go nowhere. Jesus' words always gives you options. And here's Joseph. Mary's come and shared with him. I, I just cannot get past the scene of Mary saying, Joseph, i got something to tell you. <laughs> what is it? Well, I'm pregnant. What? Uh... Who's the guy? Well, you see, this angel Gabriel, I don't care if you're calling him an angel or what, I'm going to find that guy and I'm going to mess Gabriel up, you know. (laughs) She says, no, 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 you can't mess with Gabriel. He's an angel, a real one. Okay. Good. Too much Hallmark Channel this month. Good. And what did angel, the angel say? Mary. Uh, that that the Holy Spirit is, is, is overshadowed me. I'm pregnant, and uh, um, I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> Not a big deal. And you got to know that in Joseph's brain, his head is hurting. Because put yourself, guys, in Joseph's spot for five minutes. The emotions that are raging in you is. 
I want to punch this Gabriel, angel or not, I'm going to nail him. Why would she be unfaithful to me? And the Bible says he's pondering this. Now notice, it's very clear how he's pondering. He's doing this in secret. Every decision you make is always starts in secret. Every decision you make always starts in secret because it starts in your head. And I don't know about you, I don't want to know what's in your head. I'm glad I'm not a mind reader. I don't think there is mind readers, but I'm glad I'm not because I really don't want to know what's in your head. I have trouble enough what's in here. Very confusing. Much medication needed. But here's the deal. He's pondering this secretly and he's got to make a decision and Gabriel shows up right at the right time. Hi, I'm Gabriel. He goes, oh yeah, get over here. He says, no, seriously, I come from the presence of the Lord. Don't put Mary away. And this is the word. This is it. This is it. I want the worship team to come. This is it. Some of you sit this morning facing I, I, this is not a typical Sunday morning Christmas Eve message, but I just I have to deliver my soul this morning. This week in, in staff meeting, I took the staff through Ezekiel 33. It says, if a person is here and we don't warn them, then if their iniquity is theirs, but their blood is ours. So I want to just say this. There are men and women in this room that are facing major decisions. And here's the two answers that you have. One, you can deal with it yourself. Or two, you can let Jesus deal with it. And the angel came to Joseph and says, don't put Mary away. Can you imagine the consequences if he would have had Mary committed? Put her away. Took her out of sight. Went away. And stopped the process. Some of you are in the process right now of making decisions about your life. And I would tell you, don't put Jesus away. Don't blow him off. Don't say, ah, it's just Christmas and another message or whatever. I tell you something this morning. I'm not an angel, but I do pray. And I can tell you that God has greater things for you than for you just to put him off and put him off. And put him off. What if I told you he's ready to birth something great in you? He's ready to do something in you that only he can do. But it's up to you on whether or not you put him away or not. I want to speak to true life as a whole. And I want to just tell you from the bottom of my heart, I believe that 2010 is going to rock. It's going to rock the gates of hell this year. Out of what they said was dead and couldn't make it. I had a very prominent person call me on the phone last last week. He says, man, I'm hearing that God is doing incredible things in your church. He says, we were, he says if we were betting, this is one of the apostolic leaders of, that are over us. He says, we talked in privately and we were, we were kind of betting it would never fly. He says, isn't God a miraculous God? I said, you have no idea what's coming down the pipe. There is a seed in this house. Hear me. There is a seed in this house 
there is a seed in both of our houses that have been brought together that's going to bring a birthing of a move of God. The first thing that's going to happen, I just want to encourage you, when we start our week of prayer in January, I'm believing that thing's going to go on for a while. Because we're going to start pushing prayer like we've never pushed it before. Why? We're going into the temple and getting the incense going. Because we're waiting for a visitation. We're waiting for our barrenness to go away and the birthing process to begin. But you see, all that happened and there was still one guy that had to make a decision. I throw this out to you. Will you make the right decision concerning your life, concerning your home, and concerning your church? Or will you be the person that stands in the way of a miraculous birth. So, oh, that's, that's not very happy for Christmas. No, let me tell you something. This baby that's in the manger, he's not a baby no more. And he is coming to help us, and he's also coming for us to give an account of our decisions. Joe's decision time is here. I want every head bowed every eye closed across this room. I want the ushers to get ready. We're going to serve communion this morning.